The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Cricket customers. Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for July 12, 2021. I'm Glenn Fleischman in for Jackson Bird, who is on vacation. Houseplants became Instagram models in 2020, driving sales up by billions and overwhelming mail-order and garden supply stores. We know a lot more about the bulbous shape of the sun's shield against the ravages of the interstellar medium due to data gathered over a decade, and creators learn more about reclaiming their copyright after decades have passed. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. The pandemic's isolation created some new and unusual trends. You've surely heard many times how animal shelters emptied of cats and dogs and any other available creature. But the lowly house plant has had its day in the sun, too. One recently sold for over 19000 U.S. dollars. As commuters and extroverts shifted from spending a few hours at home to staring 16 hours a day at blank walls and surfaces, plants filled a void for many based on sales volume that's been reported. If you started seeing house plants fill your Instagram timeline, you were not imagining things. The Marketplace Financial Radio program looked at U.S. Census data related to retail sales to find that consumers spent almost 20% more on gardening-related supplies in 2020 compared to 2019. That's $8.5 billion more. And it didn't all go into sod for front lawns. Sales this year, so far, they're tracking 30% higher than 2020. House Beautiful described the trend this last weekend, quoting a much-cited plant seller, Sonia de Trinidad, the owner of Partly Sunny Projects. She opened her succulent and air plant mail-order company in mid-2019. Those sorts of plants are very well suited towards spending a little time packaged and in transit. She went from a few dozen orders a month before the pandemic to 1,200 orders in June 2020 and shipped 70,000 plants across all of 2020. She told Marketplace, when the pandemic started, I thought, this is it. This is the end. Who's going to want to buy a plant? The answer is everybody wanted to buy a plant. This wasn't unusual. NBC News's Think website reported that California Tropicals, a Southern California family-run business, also opened in 2019 to modest sales. They shot up from 10 to 20 orders a day to 200 once the pandemic was in full swing. 
This kind of attention has produced beauty stars on Instagram and TikTok, uh, not their plant moms, dads, and other parents, as houseplant owners now apparently call themselves, but the plants themselves. Dratinidad's TikTok channel now has over 375,000 followers, and Christian Escuera, who uses the handle at CrazyPlantGuy on Instagram and YouTube, has well over 400,000 followers between the two services. Plants with particular characteristics often harder to propagate or produce a specific appearance are the main attraction on many social media feeds and sell for absurd prices. We haven't quite reached the level of tulip mania, at least not yet. A plant grower in Missouri recently told KNBC News that a particular plant, the variegated Monstera, will cost $1,500 or more. Quote, we'll probably get anywhere from 10 to 15 messages a week asking for a variegated Monstera, she said, noting a demand is unlike anything she'd ever seen. Variegation appears as an often beautiful modeling or as differently colored areas on leaves and stems. It occurs due to varying levels of chlorophyll. Variegation is typically the result of mutation, which can be either random in a specific plant or a genetic mutation. However, as Horticulture Magazine notes, quote, in nature, these forms usually die out, being weaker growers because of the lack of chlorophyll, which plants use to make the food they need for growth, end quote. That means that variegated plants have to be propagated by humans typically to survive, and if the mutation is random, new plants have to be formed by rooting or grafting cuttings of the variegated example, not from seed, as the seed won't have the mutation. These cuttings are effectively clones. That adds to the rarity and to the cost. Monsters have particularly interesting leaves already. In many varieties, they have leaves that spread into veins like fingers or may have naturally occurring holes in the leaves that develop, as in the so-called Swiss cheese plant. The process of these holes developing is called fenestration. A word you might know is related to windows, as when someone is thrown out a window, you might say, she defenestrated him. It's a tiny variegated Monstera-like plant that recently sold in New Zealand for a whopping 27100 New Zealand dollars, which is over $19,000 in U.S. currency. The particular variety was a white variegated Arafidophora tetrasperma. No, that's uh, not a pseudo-Latin magic spell, but a plant name. To add a little controversy, a Arafidophora tetrasperma is almost certainly not a Monstera, despite the auction calling it that, but a related genus called Arafidophora within the Monsteriae, so they're cousins. Even more controversy, the site, the exotic rainforest, believes variegation in this species can only be accomplished through a process that introduces a benign color-breaking virus or a chemical modification. That's right, it's plant plastic surgery. The site notes, citing experts who have studied this species, quote, just because you find a plant that has a beautiful variegated coloration does not mean it is natural. Worse, once the plant matures, the variegation will likely begin to slowly vanish since it was purposely infected with a harmless virus to induce the coloration. End quote. To get back to our houseplant obsession, serious science has been done as to why we like plants so much and whether they're actually useful in some way beyond aesthetic appreciation. A literature review in 2019 examined a decade's worth of studies, quote, regarding the emotional and mental health benefits associated with plants, addressing reduced anxiety and stress, attention, deficit recovery, fractals, and visual response, decreased depression, enhanced memory retention, greater happiness and life satisfaction, mitigation of post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, increased creativity, enhanced productivity and attention, reduced effects of dementia, and improved self-esteem. End quote. One study cited in that review covering plants in the workplace, quote, found a significant difference in the employee perceptions of friendliness, comfort, freshness, and cleanliness of the workplace from those that did not have plants. 
sometimes you do need to take studies with a grain of salt, of course, that that one employee perceptions involved just 18 people who spent 10 minutes in a mostly featureless room, not in their place of work, with varying amounts of plants in it. That expensive plant I mentioned earlier is of a genus that's also part of the Aresiae family, along with Monsteras. This classification is also known as the Arum family, or Aeroids. That's right, this little not Monstera that just earned a record price is related to the Titan Arum, or Amorphophallus Titanum, the corpse flower. Now, as far as I know, the corpse flower has not entered the category of standard houseplant, even though it has been successfully propagated heavily in recent decades. My wife has a degree in horticulture and worked in nurseries and landscaping, and our house went from slightly full of plants to an abundance of vegetation. We all like it, my kids and I. And and out in front of our house, left from previous owners, is a flowering plant that delights me during its brief inflorescence every year. It's another arum. It's related to the corpse flower. It's called the snake lily or Dracunculus vulgaris, and it has a beautiful light purple spathe and a dark purple spadix that's kind of the sheath and a spike that goes up the middle. It smells like the Dickens, but it's bracing and it's fleeting. No one has yet asked us to share a bulb. With people returning to offices, some full-time houseplants may lose some popularity. But there are some alternatives. Maybe someone will combine cryptocurrency and houseplants and sell virtual ones as non-fungi tokens. Scientists have created the first 3D map of the bubble around our solar system, the heliosphere, using NASA's Interstellar Boundary Explorer, IBEX, satellite. In a recent paper, researchers described a 10-year project covering one solar cycle that they likened to sonar. They measured particles from the solar wind, the stream of pieces of atoms that are emitted by the sun's corona or outer layer, as they bounced off the inside of the heliosphere. The idea of the heliosphere was first speculated about in 1955 as astronomers were grappling with cosmic rays and understanding solar wind. In 1959, a spacecraft first measured the solar wind, and in 1972 and 73, Pioneer 10 explored the inner part of the heliosphere past Mars for the first time and continued returning data past Jupiter. In 2004, the Voyager 1 space probe didn't merge with a giant alien intelligence, but instead entered part of the early boundary between the heliosphere and the interstellar medium. It exited the heliosphere in 2012, though it took a while for all scientists analyzing the data to agree as it confounded some expectations. While the dimensions of the heliosphere have become increasingly understood, the new paper in the Astrophysical Journal Supplement is the first to use a massive amount of data to map out the boundaries in 3D. As expected and mostly established, the sun passes through the interstellar medium much like a comet. It has a sort of bow wave in the direction in which the sun travels, just like a boat displacing water as it advances, and then forms an ovoid shape that surrounds the planets and stretches far back. But the shape isn't a perfect ovoid. Now, before I tell you the paper's conclusion, I have to introduce a few additional words that are fantastic. The heliopause is the outer edge of that bubble, the interface between the sun's influence and the rest of space. And that's the boundary Voyager 1 passed and later Voyager 2. Both were heading slightly to one side or the other of the bow wave. I should point out, too, they did not leave the solar system. The solar system extends vastly farther past the Oort cloud. So when you hear people say that Voyager 1 and 2 left the solar system, they didn't. They just entered the interstellar medium. All right, moving on. There's a transition point that's significant before the heliopause, 
which is the termination shock. So you have the inner bubble, the termination shock, which is crossed, and then the outer part of the heliosphere. The termination shock is where the solar wind decreases below supersonic speeds. Yes, there's a speed of sound in space between the termination shock and the heliopause. It's the heliosheath. That's what you call the outer part of the bubble. It has far more volume than the inner part. It's vast. Okay, now for the 3D shape. The paper uses the term AU, or astronomical unit. That's the distance between the Earth and Sun. It's very geocentric of us. Or about 93 million miles, 150 million kilometers, or 8 light minutes. The authors note, quote, We find the shortest distance to the heliopause, that's that boundary to the outer edge, the very edge of the heliosphere, is slightly south of the nose direction, 110 to 120 AU, with a flaring towards the flanks and poles, 160 to 180 AU, the heliosphere extends at least 350 AU tailward, which is the distance limit of the technique. For some comparison, Voyager 1 and 2 left the heliosphere at about 120 AU, which this study confirms is really that nose edge. Studying the shape and nature of the heliosphere and its boundaries adds to our understanding across a lot of related fields because Earth is constantly affected by charged particles. The Earth's magnetosphere protects us from some of the effects of the solar wind and from cosmic rays that penetrate the heliosphere. But the heliosphere is the first line of defense. Without both the sun's bubble and Earth's magnetic defense, life of our sort likely couldn't have developed. This field of study can also lead to insight about exoplanets, planets orbiting other stars, and about other solar systems. Most stories about artists, copyright, and ownership have unsatisfactory beginnings and endings. We know particularly about songs that were ripped off from their composers or producers who managed to wind up with the copyright or other recording rights because of a naive artist or outright lying. George Clinton of Parliament Funkadelic leaps readily to mind. But there's a happier story in a paper accepted for the Journal of Empirical Legal Studies that became available a few days ago, titled The U.S. Copyright Termination Notices 1977 to 2020, Introducing New Datasets. This paper, written entirely by Australian academics about U.S. copyright law, examines the right of reversion. This right is enshrined in U.S. law, and it allows a copyright holder or those who inherited their rights after death to terminate, after 35 years, an agreement made to transfer rights for publication or other purposes in the U.S., Many authors maintain their copyright on paper. You'll see copyright 2021, Glenn Fleischman, in books I wrote for commercial publishers, but have assigned all their effective rights away. I can't release, for instance, an ebook or license a book about a piece of software for a movie. Stranger things have happened. See the tick. The journal paper notes, quote, creators are regularly obliged to transfer all or most of their rights for the entirety of the copyright as a condition of getting their work produced and distributed, typically before anyone knows what they're worth, end quote. Reversion changes the equation for books, songs, and other copyrighted material that has long legs. Produce something popular when you're young, naive, or hungry, and you may be able to get it back or negotiate far better terms decades later. It's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. The paper lists some significant deployers of the reversion right for works after 1978, when the current law went into effect and earlier works were covered by a different regime. This includes people like George Clinton. He tops the list with 1,413 filings. 2.5% of all titles served with termination after 
1978 period. Francine Pascal, the author of Sweet Valley High, it's a series of books, had 305 works reverted, basically all the works noted in the author's young adult category. Daryl Hall and John Oates filed for 433 titles, right on, Stephen King for 38, and Piers Anthony for 16. This reversion right is probably one you don't know about. Even major recording artists and popular authors didn't until recently, based on the history revealed in this paper. You'd expect to see a lot more people with long careers revert their rights. I interviewed a celebrated musician a few years ago and asked her in passing about reversion rights for her own work and that of a well-known relative whose estate she partly managed. She hadn't heard of it at all, but was curious. Cory Doctorow writes on his site, pluralistic, that reversion is woefully rare because the process is so complex, uncertain, and obscure. He explains that, quote, efforts to improve the system have been hampered by a huge data void. The U.S. Copyright Office's databases are woefully and infamously clunky, incomplete, out of date, and under-resourced. This paper reveals only a few tens of thousands of terminations have ever been filed. Dr. O praises this work because it not only provides comprehensive information about reversion, but the authors developed a data set that the U.S. Copyright Office lacks and released that information for others to analyze. Note that music has separate rights that cover a recording, the phonogram right, for the artist participating in a recording, the performance right, and for using music along with film or video, the synchronization right, and the right to record a version of a song after it is first released, which is a statutory or compulsory right, which is essentially the right to make a cover. Termination for composers and singer-songwriters often gives them rights back to record and license their song, but not the masters or old recordings. That's a separate set of rights and ownership. This explains why Taylor Swift has recorded new versions of her old songs. She doesn't own the copyright as she licensed it, nor the old master recordings. She was unable to negotiate that, famously. However, under U.S. law, she can cover her own songs and then own the new master recordings. And apparently she did retain the sync rights. That means she can prevent anyone from licensing the old recordings. They can only license her new recordings for films, video games, commercials, and similar media. Now, I expect in a couple years' time, around uh, 2041 by my calculations, Taylor Swift will have filed to revert her copyrights for her earliest albums and become the latest beneficiary of this buried right. That is it for today. This show was produced by RideHomeMediaAndKotKey.org. I'm Glenn Fleischman, in for Jackson Bird, who is taking a well-deserved vacation. Jackson, have a great time. Thank you for leaving your show in my hands. I hope to return it not too damaged. Folks, if you want to give me feedback about this podcast, I welcome it. Contact me on Twitter at GlennF. That's G-L-E-N-N-F. I'll be back tomorrow and for the next two weeks. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.